Welcome to the I Am Somebody podcast, a collaborative project with Focus Recovery and Wellness Community, NAMI Hancock County, and LGBTQ Spectrum of Finley. In this podcast, we'll hear stories of recovery from mental health conditions, substance use, and trauma. We'd like to let you all know that the subject matter of this podcast may be challenging to some listeners. The views and opinions expressed in the I Am Somebody podcast are those of the individuals being recorded and do not necessarily reflect the official policies or positions of Focus Recovery and Wellness Community, NAMI Hancock County, and LGBTQ Spectrum of Finley. Stay tuned after the podcast for resources if you are in need of mental health, substance use, or trauma services. I Am Somebody. 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 I am Claire and I am somebody. Welcome to I Am Somebody. I'm Bailey and I'm here with my co-host Larry. Greetings, travelers. Today's guest is Claire. How are you doing today, Claire? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> and for, I guess those listening. <laughs> Did I do it right? <laughs> you need to know how to answer that question correctly. <laughs> uh, All right. You nailed it. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was good. And. Uh, I think that Larry and I are better now as well. Okay, good. Good. (laughs) Good laugh. Thank you. (laughs) So, Claire. (laughs) I don't think we're going to be able to get through this. We're going to be able to get through this. Yes, Bailey. Would you be willing to share a little bit about yourself? Because Larry and I have the privilege of knowing you, but our listeners do not. So I want them to be able to know a little bit more about who we're talking to today. Yeah. So my name is Claire Osborne, she, her. I'm the program manager at Focus Recovery and Wellness Community. I'm also a person in long-term recovery and a formerly incarcerated person. (laughs) We're going to laugh at everything today. I'm not making it through this. That's who you are. Okay. That comes off. It feels both so professional. And I'm like, I don't know where I'm supposed to be like. You, you're just supposed to be Claire today. Right now, you're just supposed to be Claire. Got it. That's the only expectation. Cool. We we should start over. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I think this is exactly perfect. Okay. All right. Uh, So, um, uh, we have a little bit intro. I appreciate that. You did definitely switch into professional (laughs) player mode. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I know exactly who I am, and this is my spiel. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But that's cool. It it does allow us to know who you are at least a little bit. Yeah. And we're about to learn a lot more about you. So, I'm going to just let you... Well, first, I'm going to ask you, I guess, what you're hoping that comes from today. I am hoping um, that really more people in the community don't feel alone. Um, I definitely feel like we have a really awesome recovery community here in Hancock County um, that especially some of our rural, rural places do not get. Um but I meet people all the time who did not think recovery was possible 
And so I'm just hoping that more people know that recovery happens every day. So. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's a great. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a great message to take away. So without further ado, we did that without laughing, by the way. Congratulations. Good job, everyone. Yay. And um, I just want you to go ahead and start wherever you want. Um, Doesn't matter how or where you start. Awesome. Okay. So usually I start the story. Basically, chronological order is the best best way to start, in my opinion. Um, So the first time I tried to take my own life, I was in the third grade. I had no idea. I have no idea now why... I wanted to back then. I just have no memories before wanting to die. So I grew up um, in Upper Sandusky, Ohio, pretty small rural area, and I never once wanted to exist. I have no memory of, of that. When I got to junior high, junior high sucks for literally everybody, yes. but it also doubly <laughs> sucks uh, for a young person who already doesn't want to exist yes eventually um i got caught with some self-harming behaviors and so my parents took me to therapy but i was very aware that the health insurance would only cover six visits before my parents had to pay completely out of pocket Um, my mom was a school teacher and my dad worked in a factory so it's not like money was uh, overflowing in my house. Um, mm-hmm. And I did not want to create the extra burden of a medical bill, a therapy bill. So that was the first time I really learned how to lie to my therapists and how to lie to the people around me. Um, I convinced everybody that I was cured and we moved on into high school um, where I was just as depressed and sad um, and unable to cope with the person that I was um, then as well. Um, I think high school was especially rough because I was very independent, but also very much still hurting. So I worked a full-time job through most of my high school career. Mm -hmm. My dad um, lost his job when the factory shut down in upper um, and he went back to nursing school, but those were not easy years. Um, And so I worked full time, that way I could spend my own money and I could buy the things that I needed. Um, So I ended up uh, in a really messy relationship as happens often when you are a person who does not have a self-esteem or a support system or an outlet, you cling on to whatever it is that you find. And um, in my case, it was a gentleman who was much older than me, a grown adult while I was still a child. Um, so that was that was really hard. That was a lot of years of of abuse before I was able to to leave them. Um, and I did. And my my senior year was a bit better. Um, but I graduated high school and entered nursing school as a still depressed, still sad person who would give anything to die. Mm-hmm. Um, I think by the time I left high school, I had tried five or six different times. Um, one of my preferred methods was to try to drink bleach, um, which for me, it felt very fitting because when you when you drink bleach, it's a lot of pain. You're, you, you, your throat closes up so that you stop drinking the bleach and don't become poisoned, but then you desperately need to hurl and you can't breathe. Um, 
and there was something in that pain of it. When I went out, I wanted to make sure I felt the pain because I felt that that was what I deserved mm -hmm. is to feel that. Um, so I entered nursing school, which was horrendous. Nursing school was and still is the hardest thing I have ever um, completed. Um, we started off, the program started off with like 130 some or students and we graduated 42 and it was a two year program. Wow. Um, you, if you failed out, you got put back on a waiting list that was at least two years long. Um, so it was high stress mm -hmm. um, all the time. At the end of my first year of nursing school, I met a gentleman who I definitely thought we were in love. Um, it turns out it was just the mushrooms and not <laughs> real. But at the time, I didn't realize that. And um, we started a relationship. Through that relationship, he was already selling cocaine. Um, and cocaine was a really good way to study for nursing school. Mm -hmm. um, and so it really felt like like I had everything figured out that year. I would do cocaine or Adderall to, to get through the day, to hang out with friends, to study, to clean my room, to be a productive member of society or what I felt like other people around me were. And then I'd be able to take Xanax to go to bed and I would have a peaceful night's sleep with no nightmares, no night terrors, everything was okay. And I, I really felt for a long time that that was the golden ticket that was the miracle elixir i was normal i was happy i didn't think about killing myself probably but once or twice that year um and that was the first time i had a reprieve from wanting to die mm -hmm. um it must so, have been really relieving to yeah, have that it really it really was you know that was the first year i planned for a future mm -hmm. beyond the next day um and so I really, really felt like I wasn't doing anything wrong. I really felt like this was just medication and I just had to get it on the street corner because the government. Um, and, and I just <laughs> wanted, like, I, I've heard a million times from different people, and probably you're one of them, is that, you know, when people think about addiction, what a lot of non-addicted people don't think about is the fact that that's all that somebody's trying to do is just stay alive you know mm -hmm. what i mean for that next yeah. day yeah and i don't think that a lot of people understand the profundity of like how big that really is and how effective it can be for somebody with that kind of there's two misunderstandings a misunderstanding of why someone becomes addicted and there's the misunderstanding of how hard life can be to just exist for some people yeah that we're not wired the same way to just exist and feel okay what she said mm -hmm. <laughs> i think that's very very true i look back um at my story now and i wouldn't change anything only because i know if it wasn't for those drugs i would be dead mm -hmm. you know so yes i had to go through a horrendous addiction um and everything in my life has been so hard since then. It also saved my life back then. It gave me the ability to get to today. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I graduated nursing school, I started working as a nurse. Um, I didn't need to do as much drugs then. Um, the guy that I was with, unfortunately, did go to prison for selling drugs for a little bit, as one does. Um, so I had some time off from him, and I was as working as one does. <laughs> it is. Um, so I had I had a pretty boring year um, when he was gone. Uh, things were rough again. I tried to get back in therapy. The wait list even then was forever. Um, 
Wyandotte County is a lot different when it comes to the available resources for mental health. It is a very tiny county. Um, but we made it through. I moved to Bucyrus. He got out of prison. Um, and there was something about that summer that the depression just came back so bad. It was like... Anytime somebody looked at me, I could have sworn I was made of glass. And if they would have just stared at me for too long, I would have completely shattered. And I felt so fragile. And like every single breath took everything I had each and every day. And I was trying to show up for work and take care of all these people. And they were dying all around me because, you know, in in nursing school, death and dying is a chapter in a book. When you're working as a nurse, death and dying is every day and they die alone and they die in pain and you're not ready for it ever. And you're not ready for it when you're 20, 21. Um, So that fall, I really I wanted I wanted to die again, Um, but I wanted to successfully die this time um, more than anything I ever wanted. And all I could think about was in dare when they said heroin, not even once. Um, and my neighbor in Bucyrus wore long sleeves in the summer. And so I just knew what she was about. Um, and so I asked and she had heroin. Um, and so I tried heroin for the first time and I didn't die. I got addicted instead. Um, and I was so upset when I woke up the next day. Uh, but I felt warm and I slept so good. Um, I woke up to my alarms and I went back to work. And so that went on for a while where I would do, I worked, um, three days in a row as a nurse and then I'd have four off. And so on the third day when I got off work, I'd get high on heroin. Um, and I did that for a really long time. Eventually the guy I was dating couldn't find a job because of his felony. So we decided that he would just sell drugs and I would use my nursing paychecks to buy a lot up front um, so that we could get ours for free, at least um, if only one of us was having an hourly paycheck. Um, at least we didn't have to spend that on drugs. Uh, eventually, the story goes how it always goes. Um, I got a job at a Wind Up Memorial Hospital and I, my best friend, <laughs> my best friend since uh, high school, we, we had a suicide pact in high school. We were sad little kids together. Um, and he called me one morning when I got off work and asked if I would front him a 20 bag of dope. It's only $20. It didn't even cost me $20. Um, but I said, I know I needed to make all the money back on what I bought. Um, the guy I was with was in jail. Um, and he was pretty pissed. But I told him I had to go to bed because I worked thirds and that I'd talk to him in the morning when I woke up and when I woke up at 8 p.m. that night, I had a Facebook message from his neighbor saying that they were taking his body out of his house and he had hung himself. Um, And that was where it was over. It was done. Any sense of control that I had on my substance use was done because that should have been me. That's what I begged for. And he got out and and he was gone because I went in front of him a 20 bag. He died dope sick and angry. Um, And I could have changed that. Um, So when I went back to to work as a nurse, I was uh, getting ready to waste the Dilaudid 
Um, and I thought, why waste it when it can be mine? Um, so I began diverting medication from the Pixis machine instead of wasting the medication, I would use it and then uh, waste the water. I'd fill it back up with water and find someone to waste it with me and be like, oh, they didn't want it. Um, the The hospital eventually went to uh, electronic charting and I was caught pretty shortly after that. Um, I went into work on my day off and worked half a shift and then was gonna leave. And then they asked if I would go take a drug test. So I knew it was up. Um, I could have definitely probably done things differently in that moment. I could have admitted, they could have got me help. We could have, uh, but I was a deny till you die kind of person back then. Um, so I just denied it and left. Uh, I lost my apartment and Tiffin at the time had to go move to Marion, which we didn't really move to Marion. We were homeless in Marion. Um, sleeping outside on the streets, popping up a tent where we can. Um, I remember one time I was so hungry. I hadn't eaten so many days, uh, but I had a bottle of Tums that I would chew on, just hoping um, and praying that the calcium would be enough to keep my body going um, until the next day when I could get high again. Um, the, the cops came for me eventually. I uh, was given treatment in lieu but back then in Wyandotte County, there was no treatment in lieu. I couldn't do IOP in Wyandotte County. I had to go to Seneca County and I had no car. Um, there was no really inpatient places that would take health insurance back then. Um, so there was nothing. So I failed treatment in lieu within the first 30 days. Um, I eventually got put on house arrest and was mostly sober for a while. Um, I got another charge for trafficking um, from that December when I was out relapsing. Um, the judge really did kind of give me every chance possible to succeed. Um, <laughs> when she when she finally they uh, they arrested me for a failed drug test July twenty third, um, twenty fifteen, and when I was sentenced, the judge told me she did not believe that I would take she I would take her seriously unless she sent me to prison, and so she did. Um, so I went to Ohio Reformatory for Women that fall. Prison was a terrible time. Um, it was full of horrendous things. Uh, I remember one time we had maggots in the food down at ORW, but we couldn't do shit about it. Um, you can't tell, uh, you can't tell the COs what are they gonna do, nobody cares. Um, so you just eat or don't eat. Um, but it did give me time it gave me endless hours to sit on that bed and color and listen to my own heartbeat, to fall in love with my own heartbeat. Um, when I was in the county jail um, before going to prison, I, my, my, my bunkie person who was staying there with me took a shower or what I thought was taking a shower and I tied the tube socks together and hung myself from the door in the jail um, only to be found by the same cop that um that found my friend uh when he was hanging and i was so mad all i did was yell at him that he let my friend die he could just let me die um but he didn't and so prison really gave me just a lot of time it just gave me a lot of time to think a lot of time to be comfortable with being uncomfortable to sit to my own heartbeat and to live a life with zero expectations. That entire time, nobody expected me to do shit but wake up, make my bed, and sit there. Mm -hmm. um, and that 
That's relief. really powerful. <laughs> so that's a very powerful thing to say because the weight of the expectations we have in our everyday life is immeasurable. Yeah. And, you know, uh, when the pandemic hit, I was unemployed um, and getting unemployment benefits. And so I just sat, I sat on my couch this time I had Netflix and all that other <laughs> stuff. Uh, so the pandemic in a lot of ways was another big healing point for me because I got to sit again and had no expectations because my bills were getting paid and every, you know, the whole world was shut down. It was okay that I wasn't doing anything. Mm -hmm. When I got out of prison, I did get a judicial release. I had to go to treatment up in Marne, Michigan to a place called Serenity Point Rehab, who has since been shut down for insurance fraud because they're a Scientology based place. But it was um, a unique experience. And I think the best thing that I got out of them isn't the lessons and like what is a trigger and shame and guilt and whatever else they do in those all day things. It was the people. It was the camaraderie. It was that peer to peer relationship. Um, knowing that we all are just trying to get through. Mm -hmm. um, when I got out, I decided to go back to school. I was blessed and lucky enough that I had already gone to the University of Finley in high school, so I did not have to reapply. So I did not have to check the box that I was a felon. Um, I just got to sign up for classes and I got half off tuition because I was transferring from school and Dr. Robin Walters Powell and Dr. Megan Goner were incredible humans um, who did not flinch when I told them that I had just gotten out of prison month, two months ago um, and I would like to take classes. Um, Megan didn't even flinch when I had to find internships that would take somebody with a felony. I was still on probation for up until 2017. I graduated school in 2019. Uh, and so I, I made it through, through school. Um, I graduated and was so terrified because I had these two felonies and no guarantee that I'd get a social work license, no guarantee um, that things would work out. Um, I spent a lot of money on school that might've been for nothing. Um, eventually I took my test and passed in, I think September. And then the social work board had a meet in November to discuss whether or not to give me a license. Mm -hmm. And then, um, in December it was a really, it was a, the best day. <laughs> it was so fantastic because, uh, I am sitting over at the loft when it was over on Carlin Street working for Focus as the loft lead when um, I check the, the website and I have a license and I have my social work license. Um, and I am tearful. I, I mean, I don't think I've cried that hard in forever because it was, it was so beautiful um, to experience that because things were so hard and there was no guarantee that it was going to happen. And I just kept putting my feet one in front of the other in hope and just blind hope mm -hmm. um, that it would be OK. And then probably about 20 minutes after I found that out, uh, Kayla, our old executive director, called and offered me the program manager job. So that whole day, <laughs> that whole day. I, I got my license and then I got this wonderful job and opportunity. Um, and it really just, it was so beautiful beyond words. Um, because people who have been through the dirt, um, don't think they deserve these kind of things. And, and then they come 
and then they kept coming i i got to go back to get my master's in community social work um and do incredible things last year that just set my whole soul on fire um and then uh june 6th i uh got went in front of judge aubrey again um for the first time since she had sent me to prison and released me with my judicial release um and i tried to tell her this whole story in the three seconds that i have to explain this uh, and she cuts me off and she's like claire you're exhausting um <laughs> and she grants me my record sealing you know so today i am a licensed social worker with my master's in social work i have no criminal record anymore and july 23rd it'll be seven years since my life fell apart and you know when i before i got the job at focus i told everybody that i'd spent the first half of my 20s absolutely destroying my life and then i spent the last half of my 20s trying to piece it back together and i spent that last year before turning 30 and each year afterwards living my life on purpose with purpose and it has been a gift that is immeasurable um that words can't even truly truly describe because the life that i live today i couldn't even dare to dream even a a percentage of what i have today Mm -hmm. um so it's just it's incredible to think especially you know in all under a decade uh feel like i must have been running (laughs) this whole time (laughs) um to get it all done but it's really been you know it was some of the hardest lessons to learn and it was some of the most horrendous pain and struggle for so so long um but to be right here today it's it's the most beautiful and elegant thing and you know i live today because i fought hard as hell to be here Mm-hmm. You know, I know Absolutely. myself so well um, that each day now feels like like a gift that past Claire gave to me. You know, she did all this work so that I can, you know, so I can feel this awesome now. That's exactly what it is. Ah, so, yeah, that's <laughs> it. I've cried. We laughed. This was I feel like I should like prick my fingers so it's like blood, sweat, and tears. (laughs) (laughs) Claire, um, yes, it was very powerful. Very, very powerful. It's very meaningful. And you're exactly right that I love that your your love for your younger self. That's something that really stands out to me about your story is that you choose to love who you were then and choose to appreciate what you did and since as far as I can understand from listening to you from the time that you were in third grade because you can look at that little girl little Claire and know that she fought so hard since then to get to you to where you are at right now and if there's something that people can take from this I hope that it's learning that love that self-love yeah I think that's powerful I think it's so important too especially you know I think there's a lot of of quote-unquote normal um that people get really worked up on but life is really really messy Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and a hundred different shades of gray uh and i think you know 
I would love anybody who told me a story similar to mine, you know, I would not judge them at all. And so I can't judge myself either because exactly. And we're so good at judging ourselves <laughs> we are. on that, but you're exactly right. You would offer that love and support to someone else. We can offer that love and support to ourselves. We have the skill. Yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, it, it takes a lot of work. Uh, I was uh, telling someone today that I would, middle school and high school Claire were, no, I would much rather go back to Claire trying to eat Tums as a meal um, <laughs> than middle school Claire. Um, so especially all the young people, whew, uh, I would not, I would not do that again. No. You don't have to relive it to appreciate the lessons learned. Yes, yes. Uh, Claire was so strong back then, but Claire now is just grateful she doesn't have to do it again. That's exactly right. Well, you were strong because you had to be. Yeah. So that you don't have to be so strong right now. You can enjoy. You yes. are still strong. Yes. But you can enjoy. You don't have to be more so braced. Yes. Yes. You can relax. Awesome. Okay. What do you have to say over there, Larry? I just have been listening. I don't. I d yeah. <laughs> Larry's an absorber of information and then processor. Yeah. Right. And that's why, I like, two days later, I'll be like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, you do that, but also sometimes you've got some interesting insights. Not today. I don't think any more than... <laughs> Not <yeah>. today. <laughs> do, 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 well, <laughs> I think that you told your story very eloquently and Thank beautifully, um, very powerfully. Is there anything before we close out for today that you would like to make sure that you share? Um, I would just, you know, there... there I would remind people so much that the the support is out there. Um, but most importantly, if maybe if you're a person who doesn't need support out there, find someone who does and tell them about it. I can't remember how many times I did not know a something existed. When I was in Marion, the first a NA meeting that I went to, I ended up getting there because the pharmacist that I was buying needles at had a list of the NA meetings on the counter. Um, I would have never found out where those meetings were right. um, without that. And so I don't think, you know, every every day people who maybe aren't out there struggling, you have no idea how, how powerful it, it can be just to share the information about help that is out there. That's a really great note to add. Yeah. If you're not the one struggling, then you can offer your hand. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for sharing today, Claire. Yeah. I think that your hope um, of being able to help this community feel like a little less alone um, yeah. was probably successful because uh, you have a, a very strong story. Thank you. And I'm sure that our listeners will appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Claire. Fun. Thanks, Larry. Thanks, Claire. 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 Clary. <laughs> okay. Fails. 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 So thank you. Um, and tune in next time for more inspiring stories from our recovery community. You have been listening to the I Am Somebody podcast, a collaborative project with Focus Recovery and Wellness Community, NAMI Hancock County, and LGBTQ Spectrum of Finley. If you or someone you know is in need of emergency services, call 911. 
If you're feeling suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. If you're facing a crisis situation, you can connect with a crisis counselor by texting HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. If you are in Hancock County, Ohio, you can call Focus Recovery and Wellness Community at 419-423-5071 from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday. NAMI Hancock County can be reached at 567-525-3435, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Support for LGBTQ plus youths and adults can be found at LGBTQ plus Spectrum of Finley by emailing contact at spectrumoffinleylgbt.org. Outside of Hancock County, Ohio, you can use the internet to search for recovery community organizations or contact NAMI National at 800-950-6264 from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday. LGBTQ plus youths can contact the Trevor hotline at 866-488-7386. If you are a victim of domestic violence, please call 800-799-7233. If you are a victim of sexual assault, please call 800-656- 4673. Your hosts today were Larry Betts and Bailey Kerr. Marketing support was provided by Amber Keir. I'm your compare, Jazz Bradley. This podcast was made possible by the support of Associated Charities. The song used for the I Am Somebody podcast is A Walk in the Light by Zach Fletcher. The song was used under permission by the copyright holder. Thank you for listening. I am somebody.